And so I really want to encourage you to do that over the next 24 days. But this morning, I want to talk to you about Oh Holy Night. And so I'm going to just quote some of the lyrics from it again so that you hear it uh, well and clear. It says, Oh Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I want you to remember these next two lines. This is what we're going to talk about this morning. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angels' voices. O night divine, I'm not going to try and hit that high note for you, the night when Christ was born. You know, it's, it, we have this uh, kind of perception, I think, around the night that Christ was born, of it being this beautiful, incredible moment, this crazy, wonderful thing that was going on. But I, I want you to think for a moment about what that holy night, glorious night, actually looked like. We're talking about a 16-year-old pregnant girl having to ride a donkey a long, long way to get to a place where there's nowhere to stay other than a stable, and not a stable like the amazing people have built in the foyer, but we're talking about a cave. It was a cave that was a stable. So we're talking about this 16-year-old girl who's pregnant, yeah, riding a donkey. How many, people, how many women here, while you were pregnant, love, would love to ride a donkey for several kilometers? Nobody. And then you want to give birth inside a cave? Anybody? up with that, and, and let's just remember that inside that cave there was no epidural, there's no laughing gas, there was no drugs, in fact there's no doctors, there was no nurses, her support network was a teenage boy. How many people think that's a great way to give birth? A teenage boy and some sheep, donkeys and cows, imagine the stench, imagine the, it's, it's not a beautiful moment, it's a it's a chaotic, crazy moment. I mean, the fact that her support network was this teenage boy called Joseph. I mean, I, I, I'm 47 and I don't want to be the support network purely for a woman who's giving birth. I just don't want to die in that moment. But it, it was chaos, yes? It's absolute chaos. There's screaming from her as she's pushing. There's panic from him because he has no idea what he's doing. It's a crazy, crazy moment. And the song says this, it says, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I, I don't know about you, but when I look around today and I look at the world today, I think people in our worlds can relate to a weary world, yes? A weary world where people are full of anxiety, where people are struggling, where people are struggling to get through life. We live in a world that's weary right now. But the crazy thing about this song is it says, in a thrill of hope, a weary, struggling, anxiety-filled world rejoices. Rejoices why? Because in the morning, a Savior is born. Imagine the chaos in that night, yet there's this thrill of hope for the morning that's about 
to happen, that Christ is going to be born and everything will be different forever. You can, you can kind of hear in, in, in the writer of the song that sense of faith, that sense of excitement, that yes, we're in this weary world, but because we know what's coming in the morning, there's this thrill of hope in our chaos. There's this thrill of hope in our anxiety. There's this thrill of hope in our struggling that, that even though we might be going through this, we know what's coming in the morning because even in a chaos of the night, there's always a new and glorious morning. It's not just a holy night that's the incredible thing about this story, but it's actually what happens the next day that makes the night the holy night. Come on, are you with me this morning? It's, it's when the sun comes up that all of a sudden the thrill of hope materializes, that new and glorious morn when it comes. Everything is different because a day with Christ can change everything. A day with Jesus can change everything. It might be a weary night. It might be a chaotic night. But in the morning when the sun rises, a day with Jesus changes everything. And in, and in 586 B.C., the Israelites or Jerusalem had been conquered and, and the people were distraught. Um, they were just absolutely devastated what was going on. And Jeremiah was a prophet at the time when this happened. And, and Jeremiah was lamenting. He was whining. He was hurting along with everybody else. And, and in this scripture that we're about to look at, he, he pours out his heart to God, of the weariness, of the struggle, of the anxiety, of the pain that they're going through. But I want you to see that as he starts to talk about that, there's this change that takes place halfway through. There's this switch that happens where he moves from mourning to a moment of faith. And in Lamentations chapter 3, it says this, I will remember and my soul is downcast within me. I will remember everything that has happened, but my soul is downcast within me, yet this I call to mind. I love that. And therefore I have hope. Why does he have hope? Because he calls to mind what we're about to read. Because of the Lord's great love, we are never consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In other words, he's saying, my soul is downcast, but I call to mind in this moment. And because I can call to mind what I just said, I have hope that he, his love never forsakes us. We're not consumed. His passions, compassion for me never fails. In other words, his mercy for me never fails. It is new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. He's, he's bringing to mind, even though his soul is downcast, he's bringing to mind what he knows about Jesus and it's creating a hope on the inside of him. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's amazing what a new day with Christ can bring. The first thing a new day with Christ brings is exactly what you need. A new day with Christ brings exactly what you need. Notice I said, not what you want, but what you need. So often I think we get disheartened or we get upset with God because he hasn't done what we wanted. 
but he always does what we need because sometimes what we want is actually not what we need. Can anybody say amen to that? Just like your children want all sorts of things this time of year, but it's not necessarily what they needed. In fact, I had my birthday this week and and uh, Madison got me this little uh, Bluetooth speaker, which was really, really cool. And then I got what I needed, some new pajamas. How many people know? See, kids think, ooh, pajamas? But I needed pajamas, and I'm quite happy with my pajamas. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes you actually need what you need, not what you want. Because sometimes what you need and what you want can be really, really different. It says here in verse 24, it says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. How many people here know that every now and then you've got to have a conversation with yourself? As long as you don't answer yourself, you're not insane. Yeah? But sometimes you've got to have a conversation with yourself. And you've got to open up God's word and you've got to open up those promises and you've got to recall to mind. You've got to recall, just like Jeremiah did, recall to mind, and you're going to say to yourself and remind yourself of what God's truth is about your situation, that the Lord is my portion, that he is everything I need. This comes from a place with Jeremiah where the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness for 40 years, that God would provide for them every single day fresh manna from heaven, fresh bread, every single day, without fail, There was fresh bread. And the crazy thing is, if they tried to hold on to it, or they tried to keep it for the next day, by the next day, it was rotten. It was gone off. It was not usable. And God will replace it with something new. I I think that there's something there in God that we need to get hold of, that when we're in the darkest of nights, there's a new morning coming, that His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. He never lets us down. I I think some of the problem with some of us sometimes when we're trying to get for a tough time is that we're trying to get for our struggles and anxiety based on the manner of yesterday, which is rotten for today, and we're not picking up the fresh stuff for today. I don't know about you, but I don't want last week's revelation from God to help me get through my current situation. I want his truth. I want his promise that every single day, new revelation, new manna, new food. I don't want to live on yesterday's stuff today. Can you hear me this morning? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't want to live on what happened five years ago in an encounter with Christ. You want to live in an encounter with Christ today for this day. And you want to live in an encounter with Christ tomorrow for that day. You don't want to live based on what happened 30 years ago because that's old manna. It's rotten manna and it won't get you through your current crisis. A weary world rejoices because it understands that in a new morning, there's new manna from heaven. There's a new thing. Every day, we need to wake up and we need to thank God for the food for that day. God was trying to teach him and he tries to teach us that we actually need him every single day of our lives. Every single day, we need him. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Not, not give us today our weekly bread, monthly bread, yearly bread, but daily bread. There's, there's something that God is trying to teach us and that we need to understand that we need his freshness every single day. And Jeremiah in this moment says, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call to mind. I'm going to recall to mind. I'm going to say to myself, the Lord is my daily portion. 
It is fresh. It is new every single day. Yes, today may not have worked out how I planned, but in the morning, that's a new day with him, and a new day with him is fresh bread. It's a new portion of what I need. He's exactly what I need. And here's the good news for you, and the good news for me, and the good news for Jeremiah, is that God is already in your tomorrow. God is already in your tomorrow. He has everything that you need for your tomorrow, and whatever he brings for your tomorrow is just what you need. When you're weak today, God is already in your tomorrow because his strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. When you are down and depressed today, he's already in your tomorrow because he is your joy and the lifter of your head. A new day with Christ, a new day with Jesus always brings exactly what you need. And what you need is his presence. A new and glorious morning, his strength, his power, his goodness. The Lord is my portion and I will wait for him. A new day with Christ brings exactly what we need. And a new day with Christ brings us the hope to keep going. I love that it says a thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. A thrill of hope. It's the thrill of hope. It's the thrill of what we can see even though we're in the darkest moments. It's that ability to have faith to see beyond our current circumstances to what God has planned for us. It's a belief that in the new morning is coming a new thing, that in the middle of my chaos, if I can just get through the night, the sun will rise again. He says here, the Lord is good to those who hope, whose hope is in him. The Lord is good to those who hope is in him, to the one who seeks after him. You know, there's a really interesting statistic about us as human beings is that we can go 40 days without food. Anybody want to try that out? Any volunteers? We can live eight days without water. We can live four minutes without any oxygen. Any people willing to try that out this morning? You're all a bit quiet today, eh? You can live 40 days without food, eight days without water, four minutes without air, but you can only live a several seconds without hope. And here's the interesting thing. This week on Thursday, I, I got to celebrate with my sister-in-law, Chantal, as she got her master's in educational psychology. And as part of getting your master's, you have to write a thesis, right? You basically got to write a book about something that you have learned or studied or found. And she set out after 18 years of, of teaching an alternative education with kids that can't actually be in normal school. They get kicked out, and so they provide a school for them, which is alternative education for them. Kids from broken families, street gangs, all sorts of kids out of youth justice, out of youth prison, they deal with them all. And she had this idea that when she started out, if I can just get these kids educated, then they'll get their lives back on track. So she did a thesis, that, and that was her, her premise, that was her starting point, that educated kids do better in life. And what she discovered while interviewing all of these kids and going through all the data of 18 years is that the thing that they said helped them the most was a sense of hope. Not the education, not the NCEA level one credits, 
But the reason why they said that they did well is because the tutors gave them a sense of hope. It's an amazing, a kid that rocks up at 14 years of age into their school who can't even spell or write their name because of a sense of hope two years later can leave with NCEA level one credits and get a job because of hope. It's not because of an education, it's because of hope, because they have a hope that believes that I can actually do this because they have people that believe in them that says that you can do it. Hope is the thing that you need the most. And we live in a world of hopelessness where there's a weary world that feels like there is no hope, where they're saying crazy things like the world is going to be gone in 12 years because of climate change. Let me just explain something to you. God actually controls the universe and this earth. It'll finish when he says it's finished, not when somebody says it's going to finish. He's the one in control. And the reality is, is the world decays, the scripture teaches us, because of the sin in the world. So you know what? I'm not saying we shouldn't look after the environment, but I'm just saying this. If we want to save the world, then we should all stop sinning. But you can only live a few seconds without hope, and there are too many to people today trying to survive in a very hope-deprived life. They're struggling to find places to put their hope. They're putting their hope in the wrong places. They put their hope in their partner or in a person. They put their hope in some sort of outcome. If this happens, then I'll be all right. They put their hope in all the wrong places. When we put our hope in the wrong places, we will always end up in a place of hopelessness. When you put your hope in the wrong places, you will end up becoming the weary world that wonders whether there's anything good that could ever happen. Because hope is in the wrong place. In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, Let us hold, everyone say hold, unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly. In other words, we're not shifting from this Hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We've got to grab hold of this hope, friend. You've got to grab hold of this hope of the God that we profess, that we profess and we don't let go of it. No matter what the circumstances say, we're holding on to our hope. Don't ever let go because he's faithful and he's promised us. I think in the world today, there's too many of us as Christians that have let go of this hope that we have professed and we're grabbing onto fear and anxiety and the darkness of the night. We have lost this ability to profess the hope of him who is faithful. We're letting go of the truth of God about who he is. We're not bringing to mind as the uh, prophet Jeremiah did of the greatness of God. And, we're, and instead of hanging on to hope, we're hanging on to the lies that the enemy has told us. We need to do the exact opposite of what the enemy is trying us to get us to do, which is to hold on to fear and hold on to anxiety and hold on to those things. Actually, what we need to do is we need to let go of fear. We need to let go of anxiety. We need to let go of stress. We need to let go of panic. We need to let go of doubt and hold on to this hope that we profess. I love what Richard Black said the other week in 
as we did a seminar with him, he goes, you don't have fear and anxiety, that's just adrenaline running through your body. And you can speak over that. You don't need to lose hope. You can hang on to his promises and don't let go. Don't let go no matter what it looks like. Don't let go. Don't ever lose hope of what a new day in Christ can bring. Don't let go of hope. Don't surrender your hope. Don't give up your hope. It may be dark for a while, but there's a new day coming, friend, and a new day with Jesus changes everything. Don't give up on hope. Don't give up on it. Don't ever let go of it. There's a weary world. Yes, we live in a world that is weary. Yes. But in the weariness, friend, you can have that thrill of hope because you know there's a new and glorious morn, that there's a day coming and a new day with Christ can change everything. You need to hang on until the morning. Don't let go. Don't quit. In your darkest moment is when God's about to come through the most. Because when the sun rises, when you get there, God's got everything that you need. Don't give up on hope. Don't let go. A new day with Christ brings a new and glorious morning. It brings exactly what you need, and it brings you hope to keep going. And a new day with Christ brings help that you're seeking. A new day with Christ brings help that you're seeking. Jeremiah said this, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I think this spoke to me so much this week because I don't know about you, but I'm not very good at waiting quietly. I know you guys are all good. I'm just not very good at that. Waiting quietly. My waiting tends to have a lot of talking, yes, pleading and begging involved in it. Does anybody understand what I'm saying this morning? You're leaving me hanging. Sometimes you have to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Some of you may be going for a really difficult situation right now and you need to be saved out of it. You need God to do something. But friend, don't lose sight of this thought. You, you can't fathom, you can't imagine, you can't work out what a difference a day with Christ can make. Lazarus is dead for four days. His sisters are crying. Everyone is grieving. Everyone's saying it's hopeless. It's at the end. It's, he's in the tomb. The stone's been rolled in front of it. He is dead, but one day with Jesus. <laughs> one day with Jesus turns that all around, and Lazarus comes forth out of the tomb alive, unwrapped from all of the dead clothes, and Lazarus is alive. There's a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, uh, constantly having a period for 12 years. All the doctors have tried things. She spent all the money that she can trying to fix it for 12 years. But one day, one day she pushes through the crowd, touches the hem of the garment of Jesus, and the bleeding stops instantaneously. It might have been 12 years that you're struggling with this stuff, but I'm telling you, a new day with Jesus, one day with him can change everything. There's a 38-year-old man at a pool who's been crippled for 30 
eight years hoping to get into the pool, but Jesus turns up. And in that one day, 38 years of struggle, 38 years of darkness, in that one day turns into his new and glorious morn because one day with Jesus can fix four days of death, 12 years of bleeding and 38 days 38 years of lameness. One day with him can change everything. Some of you, you're in the weary world right now, but I'm telling you, I'm pleading with you this morning to understand that there's a thrill of hope, that you can have that thrill of hope in your darkest moment because you know, you know that there's a new and glorious morning coming, that when I get through this dark season, the day will come. Some of you, you're sick in your body, but I'm telling you that we serve a God that heals. And whether he heals you or doesn't heal, the way that you think in the presence of God is the best place that you could be where you experience his goodness. It's an amazing difference what one day with Christ can make in somebody's life. Some of you right now, you're in the night, you're in the dark night, you're in this dark moment. There's, there's maybe a little bit of, like Mary was going for, a little bit of screaming going on. Maybe not verbally, but maybe on the inside, there's a, on the inside, yeah? As your three-year-old turns your wall into their latest project with the, pen, with the coloring in pencils, screaming. There might be screaming. There's no epidural for the pain that you're currently going through. You feel like you're pushing a baby out through your soul, if you know what I mean. There's a pain going on. You're in the middle of the night. But here's the thing. When you get through this, when you get through this, when you get through the pain, all of a sudden, in the middle of the darkest night, you'll remember that Jesus is born so that you can have hope in the middle of your darkest night. He was born so that you could turn around in the middle of your darkest night and go, even though it may be crazy around here, even though it may be chaos around here, even though it's just this is not what we planned, in the middle of that, Jesus shows up. Because of a new day with Christ, it brings exactly what you need. It may not be what you want, but it's exactly what you need. A new day with Christ, it gives you the hope to keep going. And a new day with Christ can bring you the help that you are seeking. Can I just get the musicians and the singers to come? In Romans chapter 13, it says this, The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer now than it was when you first believed. Listen to this. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. It's time for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. And the day is almost here. Friend, the night is nearly over. And the day is almost here. The day is coming. The night is almost over. The sun always rises in the morning. And the Son of God, Christ himself, 
rose on the third day so that you and I could have hope in our weary world that we know, even though life is a bit chaotic right now, even though there's a weariness in my life right now, I know that tomorrow is a new day. I know that tomorrow with Jesus is a new day, that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. How can you have hope in the middle of the chaos? Because I know tomorrow there's new mercy. I know tomorrow there's fresh manna. I know I don't have to try and live on the manna from yesterday or the promises that God came through for me the other week, but there's new ones every single day for me. That I can have a hope because I know that even though he came through for me five years ago, he can come through for me again tomorrow. You see, the key is, friend, is to just make sure that you're putting yourself in a position for him to move. And so often I think we miss what God wants to do in our new morning because we're holding on to our hope of our past revelations. Well, if God came through for my marriage like that before, he'll come through like that again, and he, and he doesn't seem to be coming through for like that. That's because it's a new day, new mercies, new manner, a new thing. He don't, he don't, God does not want you to live your life where you're constantly holding on to what he has done, but that you're holding on in hope because of what he is doing. And that you know that even though I might be weak today, he's, he's in tomorrow with strength. That even though I might be full of anxiety and fear, that he's in tomorrow with my joy. That he's always in front of me, behind me and beside me. That there's always the freshness of what he wants to do. He was born into our weary world with a thrill of hope. He was born into chaos. He was not born in the greatest of circumstances, but what came with him was this thrill of hope that there's a new and there's a glorious morn, that there's a new and glorious day, that yonder breaks, the sun rises, and it's a new and glorious day. I don't know what's going on in your world today, but I just feel like you need to understand something that there's a hope for you that you can hold on to. And his name is Jesus. He is in your tomorrow. He is in your yesterday. He is in your right now. And I don't know what you're holding on to this morning, but I feel like God's saying, you need to let go of that fear. You need to let go of that anxiety. You need to let go of that past. You need to let go of that, I don't understand what's going on here. And hold on and say, you know what? There's a new and glorious morning coming. And I'm going to hold on to hope. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to let go of fear, but I'm not going to let go of hope. I'm going to let go of maybe that relationship that's hurting me, but I'm not going to let go of hope. Come on, friend. To, let, to grab hold of him, you've got to let go of some things. And I want to encourage you this morning, whatever you're holding on to will never lead to a new and glorious morn. Only Jesus brings that thrill of hope. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning?